Welcome to the clinical podcast series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. This episode provides a focus on the Association of Choroidal Structure and Body Mass Index in an Adult Population. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Mila Bruchek, our topical expert, Dr. Jim Williamson, and our topical editor, Dr. Katherine Hogan. Dr. Bruchek, take it away. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Mila Bruch, and I'm joined with Dr. Jim Williamson, a.k.a. King Choroid. He was the one that was the guy that thought about the choroid before we could even metricize it, when we were looking at it with just a BIO and just our indirect lenses. So, Jim, thanks, thanks for being here. Thank so you. we're going to review an article called The Association of the Choroidal Structure and Body Mass Index in Adult Population. And this one's an interesting one, Jim. So, um, you know, why is this topic so important to us as optometrists? What, why, is, why is this piece of information something that's valuable to us in our clinical practices? Well, I think anything that involves BMI is, is important. You know, a lot of the diseases we see every day as optometrists um, have an association with an increased BMI like diabetes, hypertension, sleep apnea, and those diseases in turn can have ocular sequelae. And so it's important for us to, to be aware of those. Also, an increased BMI just by itself can be a risk factor for some primary ophthalmic diseases like uh, age-related macular degeneration. It's interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's such a, a reversible thing. So realizing that we can influence BMI and it, and it alters the trajectory of ocular health as well too is really, really interesting. But what are some of the key findings in this article and, and how, can, how do you think they can help us um, in our clinical practices? Well, first let's just talk a little bit about BMI. You know, BMI, uh, as we know, is a ratio of a patient's weight in kilograms to their uh, height in meters squared. So anything less than around 18.5 is considered to be underweight. Normal is between you know, 18.5 and 25. Overweight is over 25 and obese is over 30. Uh, and that applies to adults basically between the ages of 18 and 65. So that's sort of important to remember um, when we think about the BMI. So the authors basically um, took BMI groups uh, that I just talked about, the underweight, the normals, the overweight, uh, and the obese, and use the spectralis uh, enhanced depth imaging mode, which is a great way to look at the choroid along with some specialized software and looked at the choroid in these BMI patients. And they looked basically at five different parameters. They looked at you know, choroidal thickness, which they measured subfovially, and then they measured it also a certain distance temporal and nasal. They look at the uh, circumsc circumscribed uh, choroidal uh, vasculature, or area, they looked at luminal area, they looked at stromal area, and they looked at the uh, sort of a newer term, the choroidal vascularity index. And in these patients, they were all uh, young, basically healthy uh, subjects that were strict inclusion criteria, which I really won't go into. Uh, but using these categories and using these images, they found that BMI can have an influence on these uh, choroidal structures, uh, basically, uh, with an increased BMI, a lot of these values actually decreased, especially in the group four uh, category. And so um, in thinking about that, they, they were theorizing, well, why does that occur? Well, they started by trying to explain, hey, look, and when you have an obese patient, there's a, a chronic low-grade inflammation that can occur. And with that chronic low-grade uh, uh, 
inflammation, uh, you get changes such as changes in your vasodilators, your nitric oxide decreases, your vasoconstrictors increase. And so you have sort of that vasodilator, vasoconstrictor imbalance, and that affects those coronal vascular parameters. So Jim, so to, to summarize, higher BMI equals thinner choroid because of some overall vasoconstriction that seems to be occurring in the choroidal vasculature. That, mm. that, that's interesting to begin with. But so, Jim, are there any limitations to the study? Yeah. So as we know, the, um, the choroid isn't a, um, there's a lot of things that affect the choroidal thickness. So uh, there's a difference between men and women, which they didn't uh, separate those two in the study. And there's also diurnal variation. So, you know, were these subjects uh, tested at the same time every day, you know, uh, which they weren't. So those are those are definitely two limitations. So now with with these types of papers, they're they're highly scientific. I mean, the software that's there. I mean, that's not something that's readily available to us yet, from from what I understand. Um, is there anything that you've kind of extracted or pulled from this data or this information um, that patients maybe want to care about, or something that they would pull from the study, or something that we could share with them from the study? I think just uh, seeing patients that have an increased BMI, knowing that there's that there's risk factors. Um, you know, these were young, healthy subjects that don't yet have any systemic disease, but with their increased BMI, that actually puts them at risk. You know, for the diabetes hypertension, but also could be some uh, ocular findings as well. So I think it's just important to educate our patients on those things. Yeah, it's interesting with the technology that we have now, and we look back at how we used to manage ocular conditions without these technologies, we realize we're just catching them sooner and managing them better. So I'm, I'm sure in 10 years from now, we're going to look back at this and say, remember when we never used to take choroidal thickness into consideration, and it's going to be a mainstay in our clinical practices. So so with that said, are there is there anything um, on the horizon that may develop from this research that we're talking about right now, Jim? I think it'd be interesting to see if there was um, some longitudinal data that, that could be um, performed on this work. You know, yeah. if you if you decrease your BMI, do those choroidal changes reverse? Um, and then also, if you have these choroidal changes with an increased BMI, you know, what sorts of diseases or, or ophthalmic findings can we find? You know, long term in those patients that remains. Jim, Jim, this is a this is a gut check question, but what what's your opinion? What do you think? If you influence BMI, do you think you would see changes in that choroidal thickness? There, there, it would make sense, you know, from the inflammatory standpoint and the nitric oxide uh, vasodilator vasoconstriction theory. I think that that would I think that would make sense. Interesting. So, Jim, anything else that you wanted to add about the topic or the discussion? I think basically the choroid is just one of those overlooked structures. You know, a lot of times when we're looking at our OCTB scans, we're just looking at the retina and we're not looking, you know, for what lies beneath, so to speak. So I think it's important for those of us out there, you know, that have the ability to do, say, if we have a spectralis for the EDI mode, to make sure we keep that on so we can get a good look at that choroid because, you know, it supplies the outer retina. It's a very important structure, one that we need to be paying attention to. It is. And I think in the next several years, we probably will be paying attention to it more. Jim, thank you for giving us insights into this. And you've truly lived up to your name. You, you are the King Coroid. Uh, thanks, thanks for being here, Jim. And I'm sure we're going to have you back on another episode. Thanks, Mila. And a special thanks to CooperVision for their educational grant to make it all happen.